morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Well, we call this program Real Truth for Today. And truth, as you know, is under major attack. I want to talk in this hour uh, on this subject, truth in a world of lies and liars. You know, truth is so critical. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. The Bible says in the Gospel of John that Jesus was full of grace and truth. The scripture says in Psalm 89 that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. When God revealed himself to Moses, he said, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Truth is so critical. And Jesus said, John 8:32 You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now the truth is under major attack and when you lose the truth you lose everything. In our world today, we've kind of adopted that cynical, uh, dismissive attitude of Pilate, Governor Pontius Pilate when he said to Jesus, "What is truth?" And he said it not in a way of, uh, please tell me, but in a way of just dismissing the whole concept of truth. And we have today, everything is subjective. That's my truth, your truth, his truth, her truth. Uh, it's just situational. It's moldable. And when truth becomes uh, situational and moldable and subjective, and it's just whatever you want it to be, then truth means nothing. And If we don't have the truth, we don't have anything, and we can never get right with God. Listen, truth is true, even if no one believes it, and a lie is still a lie, even if everyone believes it, and it seems like our world today is just chasing after lies. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verse 14, for truth has stumbled in the street and righteousness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking. My special guest today is my friend, Dr. Chuck Kelly. Dr. Kelly is a theologian. He served as president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary for many, many years, and now he is president emeritus of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Kelly, thanks so much for being on this morning. Well, Pastor Jeff, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you, my friend, and I know that you are uh, a man who loves the truth and clings to the truth and walks in the truth. Let me ask you, what when you see what's going on, especially as a Christian educator for most of your life, when you see what's going on in our world and in our society and politics in the church, are you surprised at all the truth decay? Well, It is endemic uh, for our culture. It is everywhere in our culture. Imagine this. Imagine that you are in a totally dark, completely dark, no light whatsoever space of some sort. You can't even tell. Is it a room? Is it a hall? Are you outside or inside? It's completely dark. 
and somebody takes you by the hand and says, here, just hold on to me. I'll guide you. They can take you anywhere. You have no idea where you're going. You have no idea what's going to happen. And they may lead you into a wall. Wham! You didn't see it coming. They knew it was there, but you didn't because you were surrounded by the darkness, by the blackness, by the lack of light. That's today's culture. Take away the light from people. Take away truth. Keep them in the dark, then you can lead them anywhere you want them to go. And that's what's happening. We have all these uh, wild ideas that would be laughable uh, in circumstances. If people could actually see what was going on, they would never fall for these things. But you take away the concept of truth. You take away the concept of going. Keep people in the dark. Keep them where they cannot see where you are taking them or what's ahead and you can do anything you want to with them. That's today's culture in a snapshot. Are you surprised at that, or as you've been studying the Bible, it's like, okay, I know that's coming, but now it's here? Well, I think it is something that the Bible warns us uh, will come. We know that the closer we get to the coming again of Jesus, the worse things are going to be, and the Bible tells us that wickedness and evil will grow and grow I think we also see the turning away from godliness, and it's like if you start off with a room full of people with candles uh, in a dark room and people start blowing out their candles one by one, it gets darker and darker. And as we have seen people turning away from the truth uh, in so many areas of life, the darkness and confusion that comes that lack of awareness of what's going on around us is inevitable. So, yeah, I think we've seen this coming. I think, yeah, it's getting worse, and people don't want to talk about truth. The, the conversation about truth now is changing, and you hear this phrase a lot. My truth. This is my truth, or that's her truth. And we try to personalize truth so that it's only true for you. That's just another form of darkness. That is not truth, because truth is universal. Truth is true for everyone. That's exactly right. Now, Jesus said uh, men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds uh, are evil. And so, Dr. Kelly, when we think about why people don't want to hear the truth, you know, Paul said to Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Why are people turning their ears away from the truth? Selfishness. I, I, I want to do my thing. I want whatever I want whenever I want it. And our culture uh, has just been taking away every form of truth that you don't like or don't agree with. Uh, you know, we see it very much in this whole thing with transgender athletes and somebody saying, uh, well, I'm going to swim in the girls' meets even though I'm a biological guy. Uh, I want to imagine I'm a girl, so I'm going to swim. And completely ignoring the physical reality because guess what? It's much easier for him to win 
swimming against <laughs> yeah. girls than it is against guys. And we are such a self-oriented culture. And that's the essence of sin. Uh, Adam and Eve in the garden wanted to be like God. They did not want to have any limitations on their desires. And so it's that wanting to remove all limitations that leads us deeper and deeper into the darkness and further and further away from the truth, because truth is confrontational. Truth is limiting. Truth does tell us what can and cannot be, what is and is not right. And people don't want to hear that, and so they just push the truth away and say, I'll define my own truth. Well, Dr. Kelly, where do you see this this headed? Because in so many churches today, the pastors aren't preaching the truth. They're, they're chasing culture, and culture's sprinting to hell. And if you try and chase culture, uh, you're going to have to jettison the Bible. Um, where do you see this heading on the direction we're, we're trending right now? Well, the choice has become clearer. And we have lived for so many years in this nation of the United States under the benefit of a Judeo-Christian ethos that was undergirding our culture. But as that has been stripped away, and as we are no longer feeling that influence, and as uh, ungodliness and unrighteousness and total self-centeredness becomes stronger and stronger, it then becomes more difficult to speak truth because you offend people. And you know this is what lies ahead for the church and for pastors and for church leaders. Are we willing to be offensive by preaching and teaching and standing for the truth when people don't want that. And that's going to be our big test, whether or not we're willing to be offensive. Mm, that's a that's a great point. Uh, it seems like uh, you know, you've seen this, probably I've seen it, um, where these politicians are asking some of these medical board people, or as was asked the Supreme Court nominee, you know, define a woman, what is a woman, and they don't want to do it. Um, the... The Judge Jackson, she's, Judge Jackson is not a, uh, she's not an ignoramus. She knows what a woman is, but she's unwilling to define that. Uh, I saw a clip the other day from um, uh, some kind of a board meeting in Australia, and they asked the, these medical people uh, define a woman, and they refused to do it. Um, now, those people aren't stupid, and they know what's true, but they refuse to say what's true. Uh, what's going on in their in their head and in their heart? They don't want to be offensive. You know, don't want to make people mad. Uh, don't want to exclude people. But truth is exclusive. Uh, truth separates itself from error. And that lack of willingness to be offensive in the eyes of people is a big deal. Uh, yeah, self-esteem is a real issue. I want people to like me. I want people to support me. Uh, I want people to let me keep my job. I want people to not be mad at me. Uh, that's a very powerful motivation, uh, and it's becoming more powerful 
all the time. And so you know if I say X, I'm going to get a bad reaction. I'm going to get booed or people are going to be upset. Well, then maybe I won't say X. I'll just be quiet, which is its own problem, uh, or I'll acquiesce and just agree with people whether I think it's right or not. I'll agree for the sake of not being hassled. And that's what we're going to see more and more of. Now, let me give you an example of the subtlety of what's happening, and it's deeply affecting the church. One of the things that I hear from parents all the time, I want my son, I want my daughter to know that they can do anything in the world they want to do as long as they're willing to work hard for it. Now, that sounds fine, but as a believer, I cannot say that. What I want to teach my children to do is you can do anything in the world God wants you to do. And to include in anything like a a conversation of what you're going to do with your life, the preeminence of God and his authority. But that's being left out. It's a subtle thing. It's a minor thing. But it is distancing that child from thinking their life is under the authority of God. And remember, that's the essence of sin. It's a violation of God's authority. I don't want anything or anyone to have authority over me. But guess what? Truth is authoritative. Truth says this is it. And you have to get, you know, you want to say the law of gravity is a lie? Well, go ahead, jump off a building. (laughs) You'll find out. You, You can't, you may not like it, but it's true. That's exactly right. I, and and the, the other thing, I was talking to a professor once at TCU, and she was talking to me about how, you know, uh, people are graduating, athletes oftentimes, and their, their English is atrocious. And she said, well, they have their own language, and uh, so we have to have space for that. I said, is that the same way you do math and engineering at your school? I mean, aren't there rules for those things? She said, well, yeah, there are rules for those things. Uh, it's like, well, they're neat. the English language is the English language. You don't just change it because you don't like it. We're talking about truth, truth in a world of lies and liars. My special guest is Dr. Chuck Kelly. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it? That sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. 
to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Hey, moms and dads, are you at your wit's end? Hi, this is Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I'm so grateful for the partnership we have with American Family Radio. We share a common goal to bring hope to hurting families through the life-changing medium of radio. Be sure to listen Saturday afternoons at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Find help and hope for your family with Parenting Today's Teens. It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. Real truth for today. My guest is Dr. Chuck Kelly, pastor or president emeritus of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. We're talking about truth in a world of lies and liars. Isaiah 59, 14, for truth has stumbled in the street and righteousness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking. Now, Dr. Kelly, we've We've seen and we obviously know truth is lacking in society. It's lacking in government and uh, it's lacking in, in universities, but it's also lacking in the seminaries and it's lacking in the church. I wanted to read to you uh, a quote from a very well-known pastor. I'll not name his name, but I want your response to it. This is a teaser to a sermon that he did. It says, do you find some of the Bible's stories about God unsettling? Do you ever wonder how you can trust Jesus if it requires you to believe everything in the Bible is true? Does Christianity seem like a fragile house of cards that may tumble down the face of scientific or archaeological discovery? Before you abandon your faith, it's worth exploring this question. What if the Bible isn't the foundation of the Christian faith? How would you respond to that? Well, that's the definition of heresy. Great illustration of heresy, of casting doubt on the truthfulness of God's Word. Now, here's the really interesting thing. Uh, Two aspects of the Bible. One, consider how many hundreds and hundreds of years the Bible has guided the life of Christians, churches, and nations. 
Think of how different the cultures are. How different is today than ancient Rome? How different is this era than the medieval period? How different is culture and what people wore, what people dressed, and, and what people wore and how they lived and 100 years ago? And through all of these vast changes, through all of these cultures, all of these different languages, you have the Word of God being the sustaining, guiding influence for God's people in spite of these unbelievable changes that have happened all around. That's truth. That is the solidity. That is the, the, the hardness. That is the durability of truth. And, now, and let's look. Well, does science today make the Bible hard to believe? Have you ever looked at the creation stories of the ancient world when the Bible was written? They were absolutely ridiculous in the minds of people today. You know, I, I think it was Dr. Criswell who was doing a message on this, W.A. Criswell, longtime pastor, First Baptist Dallas, who said the Egyptian scientists, the science of the day, the prevailing theory of the day, was that people came from the little white worms in the mud left after a Nile flood. Well, boy, does that sound silly today. And the stories of, you know, everything is because this God attacked his father, dismembered him, and this be, and, it, and an arm became the, the land, and, and another leg became the oceans, and all of this. And you, They're just so asinine. Uh, you know, the, the ancient belief that everything is built on turtles, uh, and it goes into turtles all the way down. You know, you, you have these incredibly silly-sounding beliefs that were the wisdom of the day about the creation of the world. But the Bible does not at all partake of any view of creation that was held outside the people of God by the people of that day. They were out of step with the science of that day. And guess what? They are still in step today, and the science of that day is ridiculous. That's the nature of truth. Truth remains as the world changes. Well, Dr. Kelly, with, uh, with all your years of, of uh, education and, uh, and teaching guys how to be pastors, uh, we had talked about this before when you were on, seminaries always have a tendency to drift to the left, and professors in their quest to be well-known and liked and, and respected in the you know, academic world uh, want to push the envelope. So how did you as a seminary president deal with that when you were at New Orleans running the show? Well, first of all, you keep reminding everybody what the standard is, and the standard is the Bible. Uh, secondly, you pay attention, and you listen to faculty members when they are uh, teaching or when they are speaking and preaching. You listen to what students say about their faculty people and what they are hearing and learning from faculty. You read the journal articles and things that your faculty members write and publish, and you just pay attention and you keep in front of people what the standard is, and then you keep in front of people what your expectations are for them, and you pay attention. And if people appear to be veering off, 
accountable for that. And so it's just it's something that never stops. I mean, it just doesn't ever stop. You can't ever say, well, now we don't have to pay attention any longer. No, that's not the case, because human nature is always going to be pushing the limits of God's sovereignty and God's truth. Yeah, you know what's what's puzzling to a lot of us just regular guys in church and in the seminary world, it's almost like high school. It's just kind of a different little bubble. And so when you're in the academic world, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, from the outside looking in, it seems like it's different than just, you know, real life in the real world with, you know, guys that have a job and you know, come in and dealing with the struggles. Obviously, seminary students are dealing with struggles, but they're all kind of focused in on uh, deeper study. Um, but it doesn't seem like the average Christian uh, in a church struggles as much with uh, liberal thought as it comes to the Bible uh, as do seminary students and seminary professors. Would you say that's true? Yes, I think that is true, and a part of it is because our people in our churches are not reading the Bible enough. <laughs> they're not thinking enough about their faith, and that and they just—they're they're, just—they treat faith as something that is taking me to heaven and helping me when I'm in trouble, rather than a continuous trying to learn and grow in understanding that faith. And I would say, you have a church that doesn't read the Bible, and they'll follow a pastor all kinds of places. And they will follow their culture all kinds of places. So it's something that I think is a a two-way street. It's just like in a seminary environment, the question that you raised earlier, a professor has a responsibility to teach within the doctrinal standards of the school that, that hired him and employs him. But that school has a responsibility to hold that professor accountable. If either one of those parties relinquish their role or slack in their role, trouble comes. Everybody has to pay attention. So I think we would be greatly helped in maintaining uh, the priority of God's Word if more Baptists would read their Bibles. Well, that's for sure, and and be more Berean. Uh holding their preachers to, hey, I'm going to check this out to make sure this is so. Uh, Dr. Kelly, let me read you a quote from Oz Guinness, and uh, tell me how how you interact with this or, or if you believe this is true. The church, in its efforts to become relevant, has become irrelevant. It has decided to redefine itself in such clearly cultural terms so as to appeal to the culture that it can't confront the culture. The church is in a various... A very serious situation because it's going downhill at warp speed. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I would. I think one of the great mistakes out there, uh, I'm an evangelist by calling, and, and one of the things that I have really noticed in evangelism, people tend to think, well, I can reach my neighbors if I'm more like them. I don't want to be different than my neighbors. Well, what happens when you are just like your neighbors is you blend in and they don't notice you. They don't pay any attention to you. And it is, in fact, being a contrast to the world that gives the church its influence and impact, not being compatible with the world. And the more we try to 
blend in and look like the world around us, the less noticeable we are, the less attention we will get. So I think he was right on target with that, and it is a desire uh, to blend in, a desire to be worldly. I, I don't want people to think I'm weird. Well, guess what? If you're a Christian, you're weird <laughs> in the eyes of the world. And that's going to always be the case. Well, I think, too, in the pastorate especially, uh, pa- pastors want to see their churches grow. And, you know, they go to all these church growth conferences and this and that. And we're looking for the silver bullet or or some secret formula, perhaps. Uh, pragmatism can really start to set in. And uh, the Bible is practical, but it, it's not necessarily uh you know, we we don't we do it the way God says, not the way that we think. Well, this works. Uh, how come that is such a such a temptation for pastors? Well, they do want to see churches grow. They they do want to have results, fruit from their ministry. Uh, and whenever you are uh, standing uh, on the issues of biblical truth in today's culture, you do look strange, and you you have to have confidence that the truth will prevail. And this is what has happened. Uh, Baptists have always been the bad boys of the evangelical world. Uh, Baptists have been looked down on uh, continually, I mean, throughout our history. Uh, We're not looked down on as much today, and and guess what? We're in serious decline. The Southern Baptist Convention has lost 2 million members in the last decade. That's a lot of people that have Mm -hmm. walked away. And we've become more worldly, and we're having less effect. And what's really interesting is many pastors are not aware of the results of who they're targeting. So I have people who say, you know, I don't want our church to have the word Baptist in it because that might offend people. I don't find lost people think about this very much. Now, if you're trying to recruit a Presbyterian family who moved into your community uh, and they don't think very highly of Baptists, Maybe you don't want to advertise the fact that you're a Baptist church so that Presbyterian family will come in. I get tickled with the names of some of the new churches that are being formed. They're using biblical words as the name for their church that mean absolutely nothing to lost people. They're they're not making themselves more open to lost people. They're appealing to Christians to come, whatever their denominational background. They want to become more non-denominational, not more distinctly Christian. Those are two completely different things. And I think what you have to have confidence in is the long-term effect of adhering to the truth and living out the Bible standards. And this is how people get beyond their false conceptions of the faith, by the way they see you live. And when we fail to live a life that is distinctly like the life of Christ, we fail to change and challenge our community. It's our job to be challenging, and we do it by the way we live. That's exactly right. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, uh, Dr. Kelly, and we were saying that, you know, the, the Christian life is hard. It's uh, I think people want it to be easy. I mean, Uh, Adrian Rogers used to say that Christian life is not hard, it's impossible. The only one who can live it is Jesus. 
and that he says we, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And even when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we still face the struggle of the flesh. So when do we arrive at a place where we're not battling the flesh? I'll let you know whenever I see anybody who gets there. <laughs> that is a continuous battle. When you have Paul the Apostle saying that he was the chief of all sinners, when you have Paul the Apostle saying, everything I want to do, I don't do, everything I don't want to do, I do, well, guess what? We're in this battle with the flesh for the long haul. And in fact, that's where spiritual muscles come from. You ask any athlete, they do not get stronger, they do not build endurance by finding their comfort level. They build their endurance, they build their strength, by getting uncomfortable, by being challenged by their uncomfortable, by facing that moment when they want to stop, but they go on anyway. That's where strength comes from. And many in today's church don't want to get uncomfortable. They don't want to get to that place where it's a real challenge to keep on. They don't want to risk being unlike. They don't want to risk people turning away from them, and so they are not in Christ, they are in the world. And we just have to bat down the hatches, uh, understand, gird yourself for battle, and realize to live like Jesus lived in today's world is to be the subject of attack. That and $5 will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And we've got to embrace that and embrace the lifestyle of a warrior, not the lifestyle of a Sunday afternoon nap. So true. You know, Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And so we're, we are called to be warriors for Christ. Suffer hardship, Paul told Timothy, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And so we are soldiers in the Lord's army and we get strength from other believers. We get strength from the Word of God. We get strength from prayer. As the disciples said in Acts chapter 6, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. We're talking to Dr. Chuck Kelly, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Conservative Baptist Network, what's going on in the world of Southern Baptists as we get ready for the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I was injured at work in March of 2020, and I thought it was the worst thing that happened to me. And in that time being home, I discovered AFR, and I am so grateful for all your hard work that you do there. God is using American Family Radio to impact America. Thank you, and God bless you. You'll have an opportunity to help us continue to make a difference during our Spring share April 19th, 20th, and 21st. Join us. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. 
Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. The communist government has spoken. There's no room for Christianity within the walls of China. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and the man named Katsu is an evangelical pastor, a little more than 50. He serves outside of Beijing. I won't identify his village. But I would guess he has been beaten in jail 25 times over the course of his ministry. Most recently, they beat him so severely he could not get up for a week. They let him go and told him to never speak of Jesus again. About a week later, a knock came on his door. He was somewhat reluctant to open it, but he found Hayo the bitter atheist interrogator who beat him terribly had one question that burned in his heart all week long. Why were you at such peace when we were beating you? So Katsu would open his door, open his Mandarin Bible, and lead this bitter atheist to faith in Christ together. They've witnessed thousands coming to Christ who all need Bibles in China. At $5 a Bible, would you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us. Anna Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity. The Lord has given us uh, things that we can uh, acquire, but you know, everything will stay here. And I'm so thankful for for the American Family uh, Annuity Fund where we can give some to something that we so highly value. Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association. I cannot uh, recommend a a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund It was so easy. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Welcome back to the program, Real Truth for Today. We're talking about truth in a world of lies and liars. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shree, pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, a national and international radio and television ministry heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. My special guest is Chuck Kelly, Dr. Chuck Kelly, President Emeritus of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Now, Chuck, you had uh, alluded to the fact that Southern Baptists, the largest non-Catholic denomination in America, um, we've lost 2 million people over a 20-year period. Is that right? 10 years. 10 years. We've lost 2 million members. That's that's, uh, quite a decline. So I know that you are a part of the Conservative Baptist Network, and... uh, I want to ask you if you can explain what that is and why are you a part of that? The Concerted Baptist Network are Southern Baptists who are very concerned about the direction uh, the Southern Baptist Convention has been going and are trying to call uh, Southern Baptists back to our traditional theology, our Great Commission focus and emphasis Uh, and giving ourselves to the things that Southern Baptists have always done that made us who we are, rather than buying into the agenda of the world around us. And so that's kind of what we're all about, trying to uh, change the direction of the Southern Baptist Convention as it is moving further away from our standards and values. 
All right. Now, Dr. Kelly, we have people that are saying, hey, there's nothing to see here. There's nothing wrong. The seminaries are solid. They all sign off on the 2000 Baptist faith and message. Um, what would you say to those folks that say, hey, you guys are barking up the wrong tree. There's no issue here. I would say that they're wrong. And I don't think there are problems that every school and every professor, but if you think there are not problems, I think you're being naive. The Southern Baptist Convention uh, adopted a resolution on critical race theory uh, saying it was a good tool to use. That resolution was actually submitted as a resolution that condemned critical race theory because of its non-biblical uh, origin and its non-biblical values, the resolution committee took that resolution condemning critical race theory and instead reworded it to make it something positive and to say critical race theory was useful to use. And we had, I think, professors from two different Southern Baptist seminaries who were on that committee. And that's one very simple illustration of just because our seminaries are having large enrollments and they have some wonderful people doesn't mean that all is well. I'm very concerned about the uh, growth of what's called standpoint uh, homiletic, a viewpoint homiletics, and your, your cultural standpoint tells you what the Bible says. There's no objective meaning. Uh, it is instead a matter of what your point of view is. So if you're African-American, you may see one thing in this text. If you're from uh, South America, you may see another thing. If you're from Texas, you may see a different thing. There is no objective truth to Scripture. I have a real problem with that. So, yes, there are some issues uh, of concern to me. And then the, the, the direction of our whole convention uh, in many different ways. So... It's definitely a day to be concerned. So Tom Askell, Dr. Tom Askell, is, is, uh, has submitted his name to be or is willing to be uh, nominated for the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Tom Askell is a, is a Calvinist. And uh, Dr. Kelly, you and I are, would not classify ourselves as Calvinists. We believe that um, anyone can be saved, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord uh, will be saved. So if someone were to ask you, well, Dr. Kelly, are you supporting Tom Askell for uh, the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention? And if so, how can you do that uh, when he thinks so differently from you in terms of something as so critical as soteriology? Well, I haven't made my final decision on who to vote for at the convention because we're not there yet. And there, yes, yesterday, one of the announced candidates withdrew. There are going to be other nominees uh, for it. But I would say if I get to the convention uh, and feel like uh, Tom Askell is the person who best represents the values that we need to get back in the convention and the change of direction in the convention, then I would vote for him if that was the only option for getting our convention back going the same direction. We're just at a very crucial place. And that's what I think people realize. The last uh, 20 years, have been the worst evangelism crisis in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention. And now that has been accelerating for the last 10 years. And the Great Commission resurgence that was supposed to 
reignite a great commission uh, passion among Southern Baptists has been the opposite. In fact, our decline has accelerated in the aftermath of the Great Commission resurgence, and the convention is still not talking about that. And we're spending our time talking about very different issues. Uh, I mean, we're now looking at a bill of about four or five million dollars for a study on sex abuse, how the SBC has handled sex abuse. That's a lot of cooperative program dollars uh, that we're giving to lawyers or something like that. And we're, and we're just we're just completely ignoring the crisis that we're in about the health of our churches. So I think that we have to realize we're just in a day when you have to look who is going to address the crisis that we're in and how are they going to address it. And that's the thing you need to pay attention to about who we support uh, for an SBC president because the crisis is real and it's getting worse. It's accelerating. We haven't bottomed out yet. There's no indication we've bottomed out yet. And we have to focus on who is going to lead us in a direction that will address the true challenges we face and the challenge of reaching the world for Christ. That is so important. You know, I had uh, I had Tom Askell on the program uh, a week or so ago, and I, I appreciate the fact that he understands there's a problem and he understands yeah. we're drifting away from the truth. And uh, he and I may differ on uh, the tulip uh, from Calvinism, but uh, he loves the Lord. He he loves his word and he uh, he's going to stand firm. I appreciate that about anybody that will stand up and be counted and suffer hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, as Paul told Timothy uh, to do. Well, let me ask you this, Dr. Kelly, for an, an average guy, an average lady that are looking for a good church because so many churches are are going off the rails just like uh just like a lot of institutions of higher learning what what would you say and what would be your counsel when someone is looking for a church what are the things they need to look for and what are the red flags and deal breakers what well, i think very very important is the preaching of the pastor what kind of preacher is the pastor. Is he preaching and teaching the Word of God to his people week by week? Is he approaching uh, the issues that he addresses from a biblical point of view? Uh, One thing I've appreciated uh, about my pastor, and we retired from the seminary a couple of years ago and moved to a different place and had to join a church for the first time in more than four decades, And that was one thing that was very important to me. And so as we've been going through this last couple of years, I've been very encouraged by a pastor who deals with racial issues from a biblical framework, a biblical point of view, a pastor who deals with issues that have been raised by the the pandemic or by other things from a biblical point of view. So I think that is extremely important to consider when you are looking at a church. The second thing I would consider is, does the church have a clear sense of identity about who they are? Uh, You know, I I love Baptists. I love being a Baptist. And I know that people may not like Baptists, but guess what? That's always been true. Uh, The Anabaptists, who were in the forebears 
our family tree is Baptist. They had a life expectancy of 18 months after they were baptized. They'd be killed within 18 months for having been baptized. And yet they came to Christ by the thousands in that time because of the power of their life. They had a clear sense of identity, and they were willing to risk that. So I'd look for a church that had a clear sense of identity that you felt like was compatible with your sense of identity about who you are in Christ. I would also look for a church that is committed to reaching the community, the nation, and the world for Christ. That is not simply going about the the business of the church week by week, but they are asking questions. How can we better reach our community for Christ? They are taking intentional steps to reach the community for Christ. They are looking at the lostness of the world uh, and how they can be involved in reaching the lost people of the nations outside the United States. I would want an evangelistic, mission-minded church uh, that was actively pursuing that goal of reaching the community, the nation, and the world for Christ. So those are three of the things that I think would be very important to me uh, that I would recommend. The thing that people notice the most uh, I won't, didn't include on that list, but it's what everybody notices, and that's it's church-friendly and welcoming. And a lot of churches turn people off by not being friendly and welcoming. Uh, but the, the most important thing is, are you preaching the Word? Are you clear in your identity? And are you active in your mission? And those things matter a great deal. Well, when you were training up guys for the pastorate at New Orleans, um, what would you tell those guys in, in uh, you know, being a new pastor, somebody just getting out of seminary, especially if you went from college to seminary and you're kind of young and inexperienced, those guys tend to have a hard time. They typically go to some difficult churches that maybe go through pastors quite a quite a bit. How do you prepare a guy for the difficulties of the pastorate? Well, I think you have to remind them of how important relationships are. The nature of seminary focuses a lot of attention on preparing a pastor to accurately and faithfully teach and preach the Word of God, and that is a crucial element of being a pastor, as I just said earlier. But functionally, in terms of functioning effectively as a pastor, It's building relationships. And I would tell guys, you need to know, number one, in the church, there are three or four or five people who are really influential in the church. Who are they? Get to know them. Have a cup of coffee with them. Visit with them. Ask them to go out visiting with you, uh, to spend some time with you doing ministry with them. But really build relationships within the church. Learn people's names. Call them by their name. Uh, Learn their children's names, call their children by name, really work on relationships inside the church and building those relationships. It's the same thing in the community. Every community has a place where the elders gather for coffee in the morning to solve the problems of the world. And it may be a McDonald's. It may be a grocery store uh, food service area. It may be a coffee shop. But there's a place where, where the elders gather to solve the problems of the world and drink their morning coffee. Find out where that place is and go just sit there and listen and get to know those guys, and you'll gradually be able to participate. Don't talk a lot the first time you go. Just hang out uh, and listen. Introduce yourself and then just listen. 
But start getting out in the community and learning people's names in the community. When you go drop off your dry cleaner, who's picking it up? Learn their name. And every time you go in, is it the same person? Learn their name. Call them by name. If it's different people, learn their names. Grocery store, learn people's names. When you eat in a restaurant, if it's a sit-down restaurant or a fast food, who's the name of the person serving you? Call them by their name. And look for people that you see more than one time and try to build on those relationships and introduce yourself whenever you ask their name. Tell them your first name and tell them I'm I'm the new pastor at so-and-so. And just make yourself known within the community. And that's very important. So I would say first and foremost, rule number one for a new pastor in any new church and new community is build relationships, learn people's names, interact with people, and don't be in a rush. Just get to know people. Amen. You know, the Scripture commands us to be kind, be kind to one another, yes. tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Uh, Dr. Kelly, what I love about you, and the many things I love about you, one that really stands out in my mind is you're kind. You're solid, you're firm on truth, but you're very kind and loving. And that's what we're called to do, to Speak the truth in love. You do a great job with that. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming on today. We've been talking to Dr. Charles Kelly. We've been talking about truth in a world of lies and liars. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 3 verse 4, Let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. Hey, walk in the truth. Cling to the truth. Jesus said, Sanctify them in truth. Your word, Father, is truth. And uh, we learn the truth from the Word of God. Dr. Kelly, thank you for being with me today. And I appreciate you. Thank you, you. Pastor, for having me on. It's a great program. May God bless you. Thank you. And tell your sweet wife, Rhonda, I said hello. She loves you. I will do it. God bless. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. God bless you. I'm going to be on for the next hour. So uh, we're going to take a station break. And then I'll be back at 9.05. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.